Well, my name is Sean Walden. I'm the outreach pastor here at Shepherd Church, and I get the privilege of overseeing both local and global outreach, which means I get to interact and meet with our missionaries and mission agencies from around the world. And so I'm here today because I get to introduce our speaker today, Dr. Ajay Law from Central India Christian Mission. He's been here before, and uh, you're gonna be excited to hear from him and what's happening in the nation of India. Uh, he'll invite you to come with me and others and join him there. The last time I was there, I want to say, if you think traffic's bad in L.A., just go to Delhi. I, you know, on the 405 when I'm stuck there and motorcycles go flying through, in, in Delhi it was stuck on the freeway and an elephant walked by with a guy on top. And I was like, that's cool. <laughs> so great ministry there. Uh, I was so excited a few weeks ago when we had our 750 baptisms. And then I got their annual report. And it said 75,000 baptisms through their ministry. So he is going to come and tell you about their ministry. Uh, if you speak Hindi, they have started this Hindi church online during COVID that's just exploded. But would you join me in welcoming a good friend, Dr. Ajay Law, to come and speak to us today? Thank you, thank you. Um, what a privilege to be with Shepherd family. Uh, I bring you greetings from your brothers and sisters uh, from India. Uh, I'm grateful to God. This is uh, first time for my wife Hindu and I to uh, be at Shepherd uh, in last 10 years. So I'm, I'm thankful to Pastor Dudley and Pastor Tim Winters, who happens to be chairman of our board, that they trusted me enough to, to share the pulpit and uh, to share from my heart about what God is doing in India. And uh, I'm so happy to have my wife Indu with me. Indu, would you please stand so they can see you? We are on a very short trip. We came here about maybe 10 days ago, and uh, we are here, we are leaving today, but eventually leaving for India after a week and really looking forward to that. Indu and I have been married for 41 years, and uh, <laughs> yeah, we, we, we got married when we were very little, I mean. Now, we are not uh, that old, so don't think that. <laughs> uh, we have. We have seven children. We have four children and seven grandchildren. Um, all, the grandchildren always come first. I mean, if we had uh, grandchildren first, I don't know if we would have our children or not. <laughs> so uh, we are grateful to God, and I'm um, with my wife, Hindu. Uh, thank God that all the children have come to know the Lord Jesus Christ and walking and following Jesus. That's the greatest blessing uh, that Indu and I have. Uh, so thank you, Indu, for being with me for 41 years and, uh, and keeping me straight and uh, uh, focusing. Indu comes from a family when, where her parents served the lepers colony in central India for about 40 years. They have gone to be with the Lord, but they have done significant work that they have not only provide physical healing, but a spiritual healing to thousand, only eternity will reveal. My dad was a pastor of a church and a church planter. My mother uh, served the Lord 
for 73 years. She started her ministry when she was 17 in a Christian day school. Uh, we just uh, buried her two weeks ago in India. And uh, she, she has gone to be with the Lord, but she has left uh, uh, footprints for us to follow uh, that are not easy. But uh, she, she was a woman of faith, and I can go on and on uh, talking about my mother. So um, we are thankful for the example that our parents uh, has uh, uh, left us in front of us. They all have gone to be with the Lord, and we look forward to the day when all of us will be in heaven on the other side of eternity. Uh, we will have a great reunion, rejoicing together with our Lord, and uh, nothing will separate us. We will be there. So we look, look forward to that time. Um, well, uh, I'm here to invite you to come to India. Uh, there are doctors, there are nurses, uh, there are teachers, there are technicians, uh, there are people who love children. So we have a, we have a, a ministry which is, um, you know, which, which covers all these areas. So I think that it would be great. Uh, we have been partners. You have been praying for us. You have been supporting us. It would be great to have teams coming in and seeing what God is doing through our partnership. When you pray, when you pray, you pray for us and you can see the answer of your prayers in India. In fact, we meet many people and they say, we pray for you. And, and that brings tears to my eyes. And I said, well, that's the reason probably because we are, we are still alive. Uh, we have gone through some difficult times, uh, some adversities, persecution, and, uh, but, but God has kept us um, there and uh, we are so thankful for your prayers. And, uh, and you're giving. When you give, when you give sacrificially, you, you give not only uh, to, for the ministry of Shepherd Church, but you, you are reaching thousands of miles in India uh, you're, and helping the poor and widow, and especially widows, and especially the people who are living in the darkness. Um, so we come from India. India is a very small country, maybe less than one-third of the total area of America. But then we have 1.3 billion people living in India, and uh, uh, about 2% people are Christians, 80% people follow Hindu faith, about 12% people who are, who are uh, Muslims, who, who, who follow Islamic faith. So we are in microscopic minority. When you talk about evangelical Christians, we are in microscopic minority. Uh, but when you consider India, and when you consider 14 countries around India, 65% of the most unreached people groups, they live in that region. Um, when I say unreached people, I mean those people who have never heard the name Jesus Christ, who have never had scriptures ever translated into their language, who do not have a personal Christian witness available to them. Can you, can you imagine those people going to a tribal area or a village area in India and asking the village chief, do you know Jesus? And the answer is, the common answer is, I, don't, I have never heard this name. That man doesn't live in my village. There is another village five miles from here. You may find Jesus in that village. Go to that village. <laughs> I mean, it's, uh, it's kind of sad because, because people have never heard about Jesus. Um, in, th in that region. And we have opportunity. We have possibility. We are working in five countries right now. I'm so thrilled 
to see my brothers from India sitting here and some who are, who are dynamic leaders in the churches that CICM has planted. And uh, I'm, I'm so thrilled and delighted to see them. Um, so uh, we we, the major, the DNA, the, the major area of CICM that we have heart for is to reach the unreached people to reach those who have never heard about Christ. And uh, uh, evangelism and church planting is, is the main, main uh, area of CICM. We have, in last 40 years of our ministry, uh, we have gone to different areas uh, where Hindi-speaking people are in central India and northeastern India um, and western India. And uh, in, last, uh, in last 40 years of ministry, over 4,100 churches have been planted, and a result of this ministry, there are more than 750,000 people are worshiping Lord Jesus Christ. We praise God for all the victories that he has given us, and may all honor and praise goes, go, go to him. It is in spite of us, God continues to move. Um, the second area, um, these are some of the pictures of uh, evangelism, and, and then the second area of, of our ministry is training young leaders. Uh, we have on-campus training in three areas of India, um, in Damo, and then in Northeast. Um, we have, and then we have uh, online training. And today, as I'm talking to you, there are 12,200, almost, Above 12,000 students who are studying theology online, who are studying about personal evangelism, and a lot of them, them are, are significant leaders in their communities, uh, teachers, principals, doctors, lawyers, and, uh, and uh, we, are, we are excited. We look forward to have a graduation service of 8,000 people uh, next month. We are trying to figure out how we are going to do that. So we are training leaders, and one of the pictures that you see here, um, this congregation provided the money in, for, for in, in the city of Lucknow to build a center where we can train women, empower them, and train them to become self-supporting. And also, as they are becoming self-supporting, um, they are also learning to share their faith. So thank you for this significant gift which we received, and uh, we are thankful for that. Um, I'm going to move on, but let me th thank Pastor uh, Tim Winters, especially for his leadership for many, many years. He serves as a chairman of our board, and he's a dynamic leader, and I'm so grateful to him for the love and concern that he has for the ministry and for our family. Then from leadership training, we, went, uh, we, we go to the... Um, our, our nursing college. We have a nursing school, and which is internationally accredited. Uh, we have right now 300 students uh, up to master's degree program, and there are nurses here who can come and teach our nurses who can be involved in the nursing school. Um, we have literature ministry, okay? Um, in, in, in Hindi, my wife has written 32 books, including compiling and preparing the children's Bible. 
One of the things that we have done, you see this, this picture, right before this picture, uh, there's a picture of our editorial board working with Pioneer Bible Translators. And first time in the history of Christianity, in Bundeli language, the entire Bible has been translated and given to the hands of 80,000 Bundeli people. There are 52 million. Please, please hear me clearly. 52 million people have never ever translated any scriptures in their hands before. Can you imagine one Bible for 12,000 people? I'm sure you have more than one Bible in your home. Um, how, how blessed you are. Um, so, so we have, um, and then we have children's ministry. My grandparents, you trace the history, I don't have time in going into that and sharing the story, but three of my grandparents who were born and raised in Islamic and Hindu families, they come from the orphanages. They were raised in orphanages. So we have five children's homes. My daughter, Lashi, who graduated from Johnson, is, is working with them and, uh, and uh, helping them, leading them uh, to learn about, uh, about Jesus Christ. So these are some of the pictures of, of uh, ch children's homes that we have. Then we have, uh, we have the medical ministry. Uh, that's a picture of my daughter and uh, the school that, that we have with our, with our children's home. Then we have the medical ministry, and, and just before COVID, this 55,000 square feet hospital was built with 135 people serving their full time. And thousands of people were reached and touched with the love and healing of Jesus Christ. We were the second one who had oxygen generator plant and Shepherd Church provided the significant amount so we could buy that oxygen generator plant and save the lives of literally thousands of people. Another thing, thing that, that I can see God's hand in is in that is uh, Hindi Church Online. Hindi, Hindi speaking people are, are everywhere. Uh, I mean Indian people are everywhere, any country you go to. Uh, we have 642 million Hindi-speaking people around the globe. So we started with pandemic. We started Hindi Church Online on 29th March 2020 and with less than 300 viewers. Today, by the, by the power of the Holy Spirit, Hindi Church Online every week reaches 86 countries with 7.5 million people. We praise God about that. And, and with that, my wife has already also started Hindi Sunday School, Sunday School Online. And uh, we, we do it professionally with Good News Productions International Studio. And uh, you can go and, and see sometimes our worship service, Hindi Church Online on Facebook and uh, uh, all these uh, social media things that I'm probably old school for. Um, and we have a, a ministry uh, uh, in the lepers colony in the city of Meerut, which is two hours north of New Delhi. And there are two churches that have been planted in those lepers colony. Uh, you know, people consider these lepers untouchables uh, because of their belief. Uh, they believed in the in the karma cycle of births and rebirths. So if you have leprosy, if your children are being born blind, you did bad karma. So simply, 
there is, uh, you know, uh, they are facing the consequences. That's what they believe. But we reach out to these people and provide for the needs. One of the children's home we have, we have over 250 blind and mute children that we are taking care of. Otherwise, these children would have been beggars on the street, streets of, uh, of those cities. Uh, we praise God for, for that. And uh, we are not only teaching them, they have school, they, they, are, they are learning some of the skills so they can become self-supporting as they grow. We are providing water in the areas. We have a village where people had to walk five miles, especially the low-caste people were not allowed to come to the, to, the, to the well. So they had to walk five miles. Can you imagine taking two buckets, walking five miles, Bringing, drinking water, so we were able to go into those areas and drill these wells, and now they have drinking water. And through that, we teach about the water of life that only Jesus can give them that will quench their thirst forever. Um, there, uh, and these are just the pictures of Palm Sunday a few days ago. Uh, we had police uh, protecting us, and we had a big, big parade, and um, I was in that, in that uh, Jeep, uh, and, and had the microphone, and we went on the major streets of our city and preached the gospel, talked about the plan of salvation, talked about the hope that we have in Jesus. And uh, you can see some of these pictures. Um, so uh, I have 19 minutes left, and I have not even started my sermon. In, in America, you have to be very time conscious. I mean, I, I learned that in, in, in America, uh, small sermons, big checks, Big sermons, you are blacklisted. So I, would, I, I don't want to do that. Okay. So talking to Pastor Dudley last month, uh, I, I asked him, what do you want me to preach? He said, what are you planning to preach? And I, and I said, I'm, I'm, I would like to focus on, you are talking about, you are starting a new series about king, king of kings and kingdom, but I would like to share three pillars of the kingdom. We are, what happened after resurrection? We just celebrated the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. And what happened? Three major events. So I'm just going to go and, uh, and very, very fast and going to talk to you about three things that our king did to establish his kingdom. The very first thing Jesus did, I would call his evidence. If you, if you look into the New Testament, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 to 6, it says, for what Paul is writing this to the church in Corinth, for what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the 12. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time. And, and we find that Jesus appeared uh, to his disciples. He appeared to, the, to Peter, who denied his name. And then as, as Peter saw the risen Savior, the resurrected Lord, he, he became a bold and dynamic preacher. People who, who, were, who had fear and people who were discouraged, people who were depressed, they found the hope in the risen Savior. 
Thomas, who doubted, he said that I would not believe him until I touch his wounds. And then Jesus appeared to Thomas and he presented the evidence. And when Thomas saw that, when Thomas saw the, the evidence of nails, he fell on Jesus' feet and then he said, my Lord, my God, he worshiped Jesus Christ. Jesus left evidences. We don't stand on, on a shaky ground. We stand on the firm and solid ground of Jesus Christ, which, is, which can be proven as we study archaeology, when we study science, when we st study history. Um, when I was in the Bible college long time ago, uh, before Dead Sea became sick, um, <laughs> I, I'm, uh, one of the things that I had to do the research is uh, the, the accounts of the historians who did not believe Jesus as Messiah. If you study the accounts of those historians and then you take the accounts which is, which is mentioned in, in the Gospels according to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those accounts are, are parallel. I mean, those non-Christian historians talk about resurrection. They talk about his death. They talk about his miracles. It is amazing. And we praise God that, that, that we, we stand on a ground. We know that in Jesus, Jesus is the way and the truth and life. And only Jesus Christ is the hope of this world. That's why you and I are here together this day. But as we talk about the evidence, here is the thing. When people see us, do they see the evidence of Jesus Christ in our lives? Do they see that we have the love for our enemies? Do they see that we have that attitude of forgiveness? Do, do they see that we don't live in the past because our sins are washed away, the work is finished, Jesus has is the final, Jesus has, is the, uh, has done everything and now we are looking towards the everlasting life. Do, we, do people see that evidence? I have, a, we, I have a friend who is also working as a prison minister with us. His name is Mazid. And some of our Indian brothers here who, have, who may have met him. And Mazid comes from the Islamic background. And I'm not going to talk about the story that how Lord brought him into the worship service when he was committing a crime. In fact, he was involved in a murder. And he had been to prison 13 times. So Mazid came and sat there and the preacher was talking about Jesus praying on the cross saying, Father, forgive them. And these words of forgiveness and grace, he's never heard those things before. Well, to make my story short, Mazid accepted Jesus and he, his life was in danger because he started sharing Jesus with others. So uh, we sent him to a distant place to study theology and he prepared himself to serve. And he came back and he became a very active member of our church. He started helping the people. He owns a business of, coal, uh, of, of some mining things. And he, he helps people. He, he prays for the people. He's a great shining witness. He's just a really good man. But one night around midnight, people his, from his former 
faith background, Islamic faith, came with the intention to kill Mazid. So they called him, they knocked at the door, called him around midnight, they threw him on the, on the ground, they put their feet on his chest, and they said, Mazid, we want to know what is the difference between Christianity and Islam? What is the difference between Muhammad and Jesus? What is the difference between Bible and Quran? And Mazid said, I prayed that Holy Spirit give me the right words or I will be killed. Mazid said, I have a question before I answer. Do you see any difference in my life? Who I was, what I was, the murderer and criminal I was and what I am today? They see, yes, we see a big difference. It's a huge difference. It's difference between day and night. It's a difference between darkness and light. And Mazid looked into their eyes and he said, this is the difference between Quran and the Bible. This is the difference between Christianity and Islam. And this is the difference between Muhammad and Jesus Christ that you see in my life. That is the evidence, the living evidence. And those people left, they are speechless. Mazid brought over 20,000 prisoners in the prison uh, to the feet of Lord Jesus Christ. So, let's move on to the second thing. The second pillar, the first pillar is his evidence. And my question is that, do people see that evidence of Jesus Christ in our lives? The evidence of love. Because you love, people know that you are my followers. You are my disciples. Then the second thing that Jesus did, he, which is found in Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20, uh, when Jesus gave, gave great commission to his disciples. It says, go and make disciples. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and I will be with you always to the very end of the age. And they took that at heart and they went. And this go teaches us that we don't have, we, we, we are not here to wait for sinners to come here uh, in our beautiful church buildings, but it is our responsibility to go, go. And, and it's amazing, you know, you and I have seen the rulers, the presidents, the prime ministers, the governors, people who have a little authority. I mean, you can, can't even compare the authority, their authority with Jesus. And Jesus is saying, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And with all the authority that Jesus has, he is asking them to go. He is using his authority to save the sinners of this world, to save you and me. What a great King of kings and Lord of lords we have. What a great authority Jesus has. And, and then he said, make disciples. You know, being, make, being a nominal Christian because I was born in a Christian family, uh, because I do that, I do that, I'm, I'm a Christian, uh, you know, um, uh, nominal Christianity is, is, is also a problem in, in India. And, uh, uh, but there is a difference between uh, a convert and a disciple. Okay. There's a difference between convert and a disciple. Disciple is the person who would make disciples. We are, we are to make disciples. 
You know, a lot of times we feel that we feel guilty about not doing as much as we should have done for the Lord. Uh, we feel guilty maybe not giving as much as we have given to the work of the Lord. We may feel guilty not attending the church as much as we should have. Have you ever feel, felt guilty about not making disciples? I mean, all these great things we can do, but if, we, if devil is keeping us away from not making the disciples, you know, people would say to the missionaries, what can we do? Well, you can give, you can go, you can pray. Let's do all three things to make disciples, making disciples. Mahatma Gandhi in his autobiography mentioned that a press reporter came to him. And he said to Mahatma Gandhi, who is called father of our nation, he said to Mahatma Gandhi, you talk about beatitudes, you talk about Jesus, you talk about uh, you know, his um, disciples. You talk about reading the, the book of Acts, how disciples brought revolution. And how come, Mr. Gandhi, you are not a Christian? And this is Gandhi said, and it is written in his autobiography. This is Gandhi said. He said, I went to study law in Africa. And because of the color of the skin, we were treated badly. And those people who treated us badly called themselves Christians and I did not see Jesus Christ in their lives, and that's why I'm not a Christian. And then he said, I came back to India, and I saw that India was ruled by the British people, and those, those people who have authority from the British government, they call themselves Christians, but there was no Christ in them, and that's why I'm not a Christian. And finally, he said, I, I looked into the lives of Indian Christians and who call themselves Christians, but I did not see Jesus in their lives. And that's why I'm not a Christian. Uh, are we making disciples? Are we making disciples? In the book of Acts chapter 1 verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes to you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I was attending a service uh, in Shadol, uh, which is a coal mining area near where you live, my brother. And uh, uh, when we started church 28, 29 years ago, just there were two families standing with the preacher, praying that God would open the door. After 29 years, they were celebrating their birthday. I went and I was to preach there. The first thing the preacher said, we are so thankful to God that this church in 29 years has planted 109 churches. I was shocked. I could not believe. And, and, you know, this is what Great Commission says. Reach your Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and ends of the, of the world. And it is amazing. And the finally, final thing that uh, the third pillar of kingdom is his everlasting presence. Well, first is his evidence. Second is his Great Commission. And then finally, third is his everlasting presence. His everlasting presence. Go back to the... A great Commission, Matthew, Matthew chapter 28, verse 20, where Jesus said, And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. If you obey my Great Commission, I am with you. And you know, it's really interesting. I, was, I, I saw that after many years being in my ministry. Jesus has resurrected. He has, he has ascended to heaven. And if you study in the book of Mark towards the end... It says the disciples went everywhere 
and the Lord, Mark chapter 16, verse 20. It says, then the disciples went out and preached everywhere, and the Lord worked with them. It's amazing. Lord worked with them, and Lord is working with us now. This is not the very end of the age. We praise God that he is faithful. I can tell you many stories how in the times of difficulty, adversity, persecution, that Lord made his presence known. I was reading this story, and my son-in-law, Josh, shared this with me about Dr. Halbeck. He was missionary uh, to, uh, to Africa, and he was traveling to a new city in Africa, and with his tour guide, and he saw this unusual building. Uh, this was a huge area of the town, which was surrounded with the really tall walls, and there was only one iron gate. So Dr. Halbeck asked his uh, tour guide, what's happening inside? He said, I can't describe, I, I cannot describe. We have to go up on the mountain to see that. So Dr. Halbeck went to the mountain and what he saw there, his heart was crushed. He saw there were thousands of lepers and they were dying and living on literally crackers and, and just uh, stale food uh, that people would throw at them. And they were waiting to die. There was no one there to take care of them. So Dr. Hallback wrote back to, uh, to his university in England, and he said, we need some doctors. And can you imagine two Moravian missionaries who were 27 and 28 years old who have just completed their residency after receiving their education? They came to South Africa to serve the lepers. So they went to the city officials and they said, we have come to share our love. We have come to provide the medical help to these lepers. Can we go? And the finally met the authorities of the city said, here is the deal. You can go. You are allowed to go. We will let you go, but you, will you are not allowed to come back. You will stay there. Those two young doctors signed that death warrant. Do we have that courageous faith? Do we have that boldness in our faith or because we live in free country where we don't have to pay a price, sometimes it becomes so easy to take Jesus Christ and Christianity that we take those things for granted. The price that Jesus has paid for us. Let me come conclude, I have two more minutes left. I promise I will finish this. In two minutes I can come back again someday. You know, we can make many excuses. But, th but this is something Mother Teresa wrote during her last chapter of her life. Mother Teresa of Calcutta. Uh, she didn't write this, that in, as a poem, but it was poetic enough that this turned into the poem. And the, the title of the poem is Anyway, Anyway. And here it, say, here it is. She wrote, people are often unreasonable, illogical, and self-centered. Forgive them anyway. If you are kind, people may accuse you of having selfish motive. Be kind anyway. If you are humble, people will take advantage of you. Practice humility anyway. If you are honest, people will cheat you. Be honest anyway. What you have spent building years, someone can come and destroy overnight. Build anyway. The good you do today, people will forget tomorrow 
do good anyway. Give the world the best you have and you, and you may never it may never be enough. Give your best anyway. You see in the final analysis, you see in the final analysis, it is not between you and the people, it is always between you and God, the blessings you receive in this world and the blessings you receive after it's this world come from God, not from people. Love them, love them, forgive them anyway. Let me conclude uh, my final illustration. And this is something true, uh, happened at the, at the city of Varanasi. Uh, where the Ganges River flow. It's a holy place. It's an, in fact the capital of Hindus. Uh, there was a couple who was sitting near the Gang Ganges River and weeping, crying loudly, weeping. Their, their hearts were broken and this evangelist comes and sees them and he, he said, what is happening? And finally they answered that we really wanted a boy in our family and we had four girls. So the priest told us that uh, God will give you a boy. God will promise, I promise God will give you a boy, but you have to sacrifice your daughter. Youngest daughter you have to sacrifice. So uh, this evangelist told them about the final and ultimate sacrifice that Jesus has made. And he said, no need to do that. I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you that God will give you a son. And uh, he explained them. He took time, talked to them about the plan of salvation, talked to them about the hope in Jesus. And after he explained, they were still weeping and crying and, and louder and louder. And the preacher said, what happened? I just told you the good news. Mother looked into the preacher's eye and she said, you are five minutes late. I wish you would have come five minutes before. We just threw our little daughter into Ganges River and sacrificed her. How many times we are so much involved in our own world that we see beyond the walls, that we see beyond our world and see those people who are hopeless and we forget what is urgent. We only see what is important, but we don't see the urgency of taking the gospel to those because we need to come together and say, Lord, it's not about me, it's all about you. It's not my life, it's yours. Take me, Lord. It's not about my plan, it's your agenda. And I give my life to you. Would you say that today? Let's make that decision today. And let's thank God for being his presence here as we conclude and pray. Uh, would you please stand and just clap and thank God for, for, for his presence and, and what he has done in our lives. And, just praising the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, thank you so much for, for that, that you are alive. Thank you, Lord, that your word is alive. Thank you for speaking uh, through to, to us. Uh, we, we love you, Lord, and we look forward to the day when oceans and miles will not separate us, but we will be together forever and ever near your throne, and we will be worshiping you. We are thankful for that blessed hope. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for Jesus who gives us this hope and assurance of eternal life. In his wonderful name, we pray. Amen. Before you go, uh, there are... There are
volunteers and leaders who are standing here. If you have prayer need, if you have made a decision, if you want to share your heart, um, they are here. And uh, please do continue to pray for us. May God bless you. Lord, thank you for this time again. Thank you for making us one. And bless us, bless everyone. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. May God bless you. Thank you. See you again.